0: if you have your Bibles with you this morning, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 3 this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and if you do not have your Bible, you can turn to page 901 in the Pew Bible there, 901 in the Pew Bible, and if you don't have a Bible, then I invite you to take that Bible with you as our gift to you. First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. We are fascinated by the unknown. Uh, that's why we like, we typically like magic tricks, right? We like magicians who, who can blow our minds with, with magic. I enjoy that. I remember one of my most favored gifts as a child, a birthday gift that I received was a, a magic kit. And, and I played with that thing forever. I mean, I, I just wore it out. Uh, because I loved it, I loved just kind of the illusions of it all, and I still, as an adult, I still like uh, magic tricks and seeing people perform magic tricks. It just kind of, it, it, and I don't, I'm not even, I don't even care to figure out how they do it, right? I just, I want to uh, embrace the unknown. I enjoy that, and, and we like that. We 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 enjoy that. Uh, that sometimes carries over into the church. Uh, People, we want the miraculous. We want the stuff that we can't explain. And, And God does work wonderful miracles in our midst. If you are a child of God, your salvation is the most profound miracle of all. You are a wretched sinner who was running absolutely as fast as you could away from God and God created a new work in your heart and you turned to Christ. That is a miracle. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's the greatest miracle of all. But we oftentimes we want even more than that. And and what happens is then that we become susceptible to foolery. We become susceptible to charlatans who come in and and they work tricks, right? They, They do magic tricks to fool us and draw us into their activity. And we need to be careful We need to be careful, we need to be aware that there are those out there who call themselves Christians, who sell books in Christian bookstores, who are preaching and teaching on Christian radio and on Christian TV. They are out there and they are false teachers. They awe and amaze people with trickery so that they can get what they want out of you. And they are leading people straight to hell. And we see such taking place here in 1 Corinthians. There are people here in Corinth who are fooling the Christians there. There are apparently these charlatans who are coming into the church who are awing some of the church members with supposed spiritual gifts But the message that they are preaching is far from the gospel. It's a completely different message. And instead of leading people to Christ, they were leading people away from Christ. And so Paul sends out the warning, beware of spiritual things that lead away from Christ. Beware of spiritual things that lead away from Christ. And dear friend, you need to hear that today. You need to hear that today. Lest you be fooled. Lest you be drawn away from the true gospel. Beware of spiritual things that lead away from Christ. Here in our text today, we're going to see two contrasts between spiritual things of this world and the spiritual things of God. So two contrasts, contrast between the spiritual things of this world and there are lots of spiritual things of this world. And we're going to see that in contrast to the things of God as Paul begins entering into this discussion. This is a long discussion. It's going to run through the rest of chapter 12. All the way through 13 and halfway through 14, Paul is going to start talking about spiritual gifts because that's what they use. That's what they they come in with this guise of, of using spiritual gifts, and they're leading people away, and we see the same thing happening today. And so this is going to be a long discussion over the next several weeks, but as he begins this, as he enters into this, he's introducing the subject, and so he's going to teach us the difference between the spiritual things of this world, and the spiritual things of God. So I hope that when we leave here today, I want you to be able to discern the spirits, to know when a spirit is from this world, and when a spirit is from God. So if you found your place there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word, and may he write the eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Now, before we get into the contrast of the text, we need to establish the goal of the text, the goal of the text. And the goal of the text here, especially this paragraph, this first paragraph, is to understand spiritual things to understand spiritual things Paul is leaving this kind of general here right at the beginning and I, and I need to to work through some technical stuff here to, to really help you understand what I'm talking about here now our text says now concerning spiritual gifts and most English translations translate that spiritual gifts now I don't think that's quite the translation that that needs to be. Uh, I think that Paul is keeping it more general here. I think it should read, now concerning spiritual things. Spiritual things. So let me make a case for why I am interpreting this, spiritual things instead of spiritual gifts. First, the term here, the Greek term that Paul uses is a more general term. He he uses this this uh, the term the Greek term uh, pneumat, pneumaticone, pneumaticone uh which comes from the word pneuma which uh, translates spirit pneuma you think of pneuma uh, something as pneumon uh, pneumology is you know talking it's uh, studying breath studying air if you say something is pneumatic it's ran after it's ran on air so we have that english word coming in but in in greek it means spirit and so when you talk about the hagias pneuma it's the holy spirit And, and so he uses this general term pneumaticone it's an adjective an adjective it's a substantive adjective so it's working as the subject of the sentence In English, we don't usually let adjectives work as the subject of the sentence. We want a noun there. And and so that's why you you have to translate. You have to provide a noun. Literally, the text would read, now concerning the spiritual brothers. But we need the noun. So uh, we add the noun. And and other translators, they add the, the noun gifts here. But when Paul is normally talking about spiritual gifts, he typically uses the word charisma. Charisma. The word that we get our word, charisma. Uh, But it's also the word that we we use to uh, say charismatic. So those who put more emphasis on the spiritual gifts, we say they're charismatic because of this word, charisma. And typically in Paul's writing and typically throughout the rest of the New Testament, when the New Testament writers are referring to uh, spiritual gifts, they use that term charisma. But here it's pneuma, pneumaticone. He, he leaves it more general. So most translators realize that, that this, is, you know, this is kind of a general term. But then because Paul is going on down and he is entering into, this is kind of the introductory paragraph of a, a long discussion on spiritual gifts, they go ahead, instead of saying just broadly spiritual things, well, they add in their spiritual gifts. And that's a reasonable assumption there. But I think as Paul is, is introducing the topic, yeah, he's going to talk about spiritual gifts. That's what he's kind of getting into. But right here at the beginning, he leaves it general for a purpose. Because as you look at this paragraph, what does he do? He's con- contrasting two kinds of spiritual things he's contrasting two kinds of spiritual things he's contrasting uh, spiritual things of this world to the spiritual things of God so it's not really a big deal Uh, it, it doesn't change any kind of theological uh you know truth here but I think Paul is leaving this general for the purpose. He, as he's beginning to get into the conversation about spiritual gifts, first he wants to draw us into spiritual things to make this contrast between the spiritual things of this world and the spiritual things of God. So uh, that's my argument. John chapter 4, verse 1 indicates this further. Beloved, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so you have that that imagery right there that there's, there's different kinds of spirits in this world. There's different kinds of spirituality, spiritual forces that are work in this world. There are the spirits of this world, and then there's the spirit of God. The spirits of the spirit of this world is trying to lead you away from Christ while the spirit of God is trying to lead you to Christ and so we're focused in on spiritual things you need to understand spiritual things you need to be able to discern whether a spirit is a spiritual thing is from the holy spirit or is the spirit or is it from the spirit of this world The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says. So with this goal in mind then, trying to understand spiritual things, then we consider the comparisons that Paul begins to make here. Now concerning spiritual things, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Now here is the first comparison, and it's a, an inferred comparison here. The comparison that we see here is this. The spirit of this world leads people into falsehood, while the spirit of God leads people in truth. The spirit of this world leads people into falsehood, while the Spirit of God leads people into truth. See that text again. You know that when you were pagans, there is the inference towards the comparison. When you were pagans, the inference is is now now you're no longer pagans. When you were pagans, this happened. But now, as they're hearing this, they're thinking, well, now we're not pagans, so then this is true. So there's your inferred comparison that we're going to see here. When you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols however you were led. The, the indication here is that there was a force leading them, right? There, there was somebody on the range kind of pulling them, leading them into idolatry. And there is a force that was leading people into idolatry, leading them away from Christ, leading them to worship the things of this world whether that be stone god or material possessions or self or whatever there's a force pulling drawing people away from god the spirit that is now at work in the sons of, of disobedience he is working right the prince of the power of the air he is working in this world to draw people Further and further and further away from God. There is that spiritual work here. Satan and all of his minions, right? All of his demon buddies, they are working. They are spiritual forces working in our world to fool people. They're producing a counterfeit gospel. They're producing counterfeit works to awe and ooh, and amaze people so that they can draw people further and further away from Christ. They're leading people astray. And apart from Christ, we willingly go with them because that's what we want to do. We want to love self rather than God. And so we want to follow them. So it's not a hard work for them to lead us astray. They lead us astray very easily. Because our old sinful heart wants the things of this world and not the things of God. So for these Corinthians, they were being led into paganism, to, into idolatry. We are the same way in our lost condition. We are led astray, maybe not into formal idolatry of of worshiping uh, true, you know, gods, stone gods, metal gods, but we are drawn into idolatry, worshiping self, worshiping the material things of this world rather than God. So when we're lost, before we come to know Christ, There's spiritual forces leading us away, but the comparison here is that the Spirit of God, as followers of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God leads us into truth. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. And so he wants to draw us to truth. He wants to take us to truth. He wants to teach us truth. Now, where do we find truth? Where do we find truth? Is it just out there somewhere that we, we need to go and search for it and find it? No. It's right here. It's right here. This is the Spirit's Word. The Holy Spirit is the one who inspired the human authors to write this book. He inspired them to, to write down the gospel message that is recorded in this book the bible holy scripture we don't need someone to come in and say i've got a word from god really i've got a word from god too it's right here in my hand let's see how your word matches up with this word and then we'll talk be careful be careful because the spirit of this world will lead you into falsehood. They will lead you into lies. The spirit of God will lead you into truth. Judge everything that anyone says by the word of truth, by God's Bible, by Holy Scripture. If it doesn't make up, make, if it doesn't... Uh, Come up with scripture if it doesn't match scripture, run! Get away from that because it's a lie from hell. In this world, there are plenty of charlatans who want to lead people in falsehood. And yes, I'm fixing to name some names because I need you to be aware. Benny Hinn, Joyce Myers, and others in that guild, guild of false teachers teach that you are a little god you are a little god oh doesn't that make your heart warm we want to be gods don't we we want to make ourselves god we want to be important you are a little god and they take this text they take john chapter 10 verse 34 As a proof text. Now, in this text, Jesus is responding to the Pharisees and he says to them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are God's? Now, Jesus here is quoting Psalm chapter 82, verse 6. Psalm chapter 82, verse 6. Now, let's look at that verse in its context. Psalm chapter 82. God's word says God has taken His place in the divine council. In the midst of gods, in the midst of the gods, little g, in the midst of the gods, He holds judgment. And then God speaks. So that's the intro to this. Who are those gods, little g gods? We're gonna see that. How long will you judge unjustly? and show partiality to the wicked. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Now we get a little commentary here, verse 5. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness, All the foundations of the earth are shaken. Now God speaks again. I said, you are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. And then there's the praise at the end. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. Now, Jesus, as he is quoting this, he understands the context. Who are these gods? They are the judges, the rulers of Israel. That's who he is talking to. This is an imprecatory psalm. This is a psalm of judgment. He is talking to the princes, to the kings, to the judges of Israel. He says, you are gods, sons of the Most High. What's he saying there? I mean, that's kind of interesting that God calls them gods. He's not literally saying that they are gods. He's saying, you are my representatives. You're the ones who are supposed to be judging my people according to my word, according to my will. You're to be a god In the figurative sense, you are to be God as my representative. You are representing me to my people. So what he is saying is not that they're they're gods, literal gods. He's saying that they're God's representatives. They are God, in a sense, to the people of Israel as they represent God, just like an ambassador is the United States to the, the nation to whom to which he goes to. He, he, is, the, he, he is the United States to that country because he's the, the representative of the United States. And so God is not calling men gods. He's saying, you rulers... You're supposed to govern according to my will. You're supposed to teach people my law. You're supposed to be my voice. You're supposed to be my hand in this nation. And look what he says. How long will you judge unjustly? They're not doing it. They're not doing it. They're failing. And so, look, all of these false teachers, they fail to to go ahead and read verse 7. I said... You are God, sons of the Most High, all of you. You are my representatives. I I put dignity upon you as my representatives in the nation. Verse 7 is the judgment, nevertheless, like men you shall die and fall like any prince. They're not gods. They're men who are failing God. And God is calling judgment down upon them. Number one, this verse is not referring to every human being. It's referring to the judges and the rulers of Israel. God is speaking to a specific people, and he is saying, you are failing. Number two, he is not calling them gods. He is calling them his representatives. You are my representatives. And he's calling down judgment upon them. Now, oh, back in John, and, uh, John, the Gospel of John, Jesus is using this because God is saying, hey, these guys are God's sons of the Most High because they are my spokesmen. They are my spokesmen. They are, are, are governing, pe- they're supposed to be governing people according to my will. And Jesus says, how much more? Because in John, the Pharisees are picking up stones to stone him Because he has said uh, that he is the son of God. And so he's he's saying here, doesn't the scripture say you are God's sons of the most high? Doesn't he say that to the judges of Israel who are supposed to rule and and reign according to God's will in God's place over Israel? And Jesus says, now if that's true of them, how much more is it true of me, Jesus, who is doing works of God in your midst. Why, even Nicodemus in John chapter 3 said, Rabbi, we know that you are from God because of the works that you do. Jesus in the New Testament, nor God in the Old Testament ever calls human beings gods in a literal sense. You are not a god. There is one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. There is no other God. There is only one God. And anyone who tries to tell you you are a God because that's what your sinful heart wants to hear is a liar and the truth is not in them. That's the very same thing that Satan told Adam and Eve. Oh, you'll surely not die, but God knows that when you eat it, you'll be like him. You'll be a little God. Anyone who utters the sentence that you or anyone else in this world is a little God, run. Run. They are false teachers straight from hell. You want want to know how to discern the spirits? Check every spirit by the word of truth, by God's word. Check every word by God's word. Check every word that I preach to you by God's word. God's word is truth. That's it. No other word is truth. God's word is truth. Trust God's word and God's word alone. Check the spirits. Discern the spirits. Check every message by the word of God. So the spirit of this world wants to lead you into falsehood while the Spirit of God wants to lead you in truth. Second, the Spirit of this world curses Jesus while the Spirit of God proclaims Jesus is Lord. The Spirit of this world curses Jesus while the Spirit of God proclaims Jesus is Lord. To the glory of the Father, amen. Look at verse 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. First, the Spirit of this world curses Jesus. He pronounces Jesus is accursed. Now, how does a spirit proclaim Jesus is accursed? How do they do that in such a way to deceive even the flock of God? Well, they do it in a couple of different ways. They can do it either doctrinally. Certainly, there are those out in the world who say, well, Jesus is, they curse Jesus. I mean, you hear people all the time, taking the Lord's name in vain. They use Jesus' name as a curse word. They curse Jesus. They say Jesus isn't real. He was just a man. He's not Lord. He was just a man. A good man, a good moral man, but he was just a man. But then there are those who curse Jesus by setting out bad doctrine. Oh, it has a hint of Christianity in it, maybe, right? They, they use Scripture, they, they pull scripture, scripture out of context and, and tag it in there to make it look good, to give it a, 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 kiss, a Christian tint to it, but it's false doctrine about Jesus. Again, Joyce Myers says that Jesus could have helped himself up, up until the point where he said, I commend my spirit into your hands. At that point, he, Jesus, couldn't do nothing for himself anymore. He had become sin. He was no longer the son of God. He was sin. Joyce Myers. Catch your book on sale at many Christian bookstores. Catch her. Uh, preaching and teaching uh, on most of the Christian radio stations around here early morning I, I've had the her going to the gym in the morning and she's out there preaching that Jesus quit being God how do you do that and still call yourself a Christian Yes, Jesus took on our sin. He became sin in our place. He never sinned, but He took on our sin. God put our sin on His shoulder. Nevertheless, He never quit becoming God. He never quit being God. He is God. He always will be God. There's no changing that. And if anyone ever says that Jesus quit being God... They are a liar and a fool. The truth is not in them. Run! Don't buy that book. Turn off the radio. Turn off the TV. Don't listen to that trash. If Jesus quit becoming God, at any moment, you are lost. I'm lost. There's no hope for us. The only way that Jesus was worthy to pay the penalty for our sins, it was was because he was God. And he bore the penalty of our sin in our place as God and man. Turn that trash off. Turn that trash off. See those folks for who they are. They are false teachers. They're not Christians. I don't care if you like her or not. She's not a Christian. If that's what she believes, she's not a Christian. Jesus is God, was God, always will be God. Anyone says otherwise, they are a fool and a false teacher. So doctrinally, People can curse God practically. People can curse God, curse Christ by exalting someone or something else in the place over God and Christ. Victoria Osteen, Joel Osteen's wife, who is co-pastor with Joel and their church, I guess you can call it that, She once preached. I just want to encourage every one of us to realize when we obey God, we're not doing it for God. I mean, that's one way to look at it. We're doing it for ourselves. Because God takes pleasure when we're happy. That's the thing that gives him the greatest joy joy this morning your happiness gives god his greatest joy i want you to know this morning just do uh, just do good for your own self do good because god wants you to be happy when you come to church when you worship him you're not doing it for god really you're doing it for yourself because that's what makes god When you come to worship, you're not really worshiping God. You're worshiping yourself. That's what she's saying there. That's what she's saying. You see, what she is preaching there and what they typically preach at their church is humanism. That you're the center of the universe and God wants everything. He's all about you. He's all about you and your happiness and your joy. Now understand, God wants you to be happy. He wants you to experience joy, but joy that comes from knowing him and worshiping him, having him in the center. You see, that's our problem. That's our problem. We want to put ourselves into the center. We want to make ourselves God we want to worship ourselves we want to be all about ourselves and put God on the back shelf and just use him when we need him that's our problem that's what people what's sending people to hell if you come here and and if God is all about you if you're the center of God's universe if your happiness is 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 what drives God then God is an idolater. He's a sinner worthy of judgment and hell because he is worshiping the creature rather than the creator. God's center is his glory. His glory. He is God. There is no other. My glory, he says, I will give to no other. Any message that makes you center, makes you and your happiness the center of all things, is a false gospel. Straight from hell. Again, that's what Satan wants you to believe. Because that's what your old sinful heart wants to hear. And all the time, he's drawing, drawing, Drawing you away from Jesus. So many false teachers in this world who are leading people away from Christ, costumed as Christians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, we've already been there. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all, not for yourself, not for your own glory, Victoria, but for the glory of God. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, whoever speaks as one speaks Oracles of God. He's talking about spiritual gifts here as well. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that. Here's the purpose statement. In order that. In everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Dear Christian, if you're here today and you're worshiping, it's not, you're not worshiping for you. You're worshiping to give glory and honor to God through Jesus Christ. It's all about him or you're living in sin. Christ must be center. God's glory must be at the center. Otherwise, we're cursing God. We're cursing Jesus. So every spirit... No no one speaking in the Spirit ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Lord. What is he talking about there? Because we've got to be careful there. Uh, There are false teachings out there who will say Jesus is Lord. Mormons, for example, Jehovah's Witness as another example, they will both say that Jesus is Lord, but they're not saying Jesus is Lord like Paul is saying Jesus is Lord. So we need to understand what is Paul saying here. First of all, Paul is saying that Jesus is sovereign, he is sovereign. He is ruler and reigner over all things. So when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, it's not just enough to to proclaim Jesus as your Savior. You proclaim him, first of all, as Lord. He must be Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. He has to be Lord of your life, sovereign over your life. That means Lord Jesus You're my Savior and you're my Lord. I'm going to go where you say go. I'm going to do what you say do because you're king of my life. I give my life to you. Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is Lord. But it's not just that. Because if we just stopped at that, then Mormons and Jehovah's Witness would be able, okay, all right, I can go with that. But it doesn't stop there. And saying that Jesus is Lord, is professing that Jesus is Lord, is also saying that Jesus is God. He is God. He is God incarnate. He is Yahweh. You see, when you go back to the Old Testament, and we've talked about this before, but you go back to your Old Testament Bible and and you start reading, and and every now and again, when you you come to Lord in the Old Testament, talking about God, it's all caps. When it's all capital letters, uh, that means that that Lord is coming in in the place of the proper name of God. Some people say Yahweh. The reason they did that was because back in the day back when the the jewish rabbis and stuff would come and they would go along they would read scripture and and the hebrew uh, and when they got to the name of yahweh the proper name of god well the ten commandments says you should not take the lord your god's name in vain and so they didn't want to take a chance on saying his name in vain so when they got to uh god's proper name instead of saying yahweh they said adonai which is the hebrew word for lord adonai and so when the the greek new uh, old testament came out when they had to translate it over into greek well the the greeks when they got to the proper name of god they translated it which is the greek word for lord they kind of retained that kind of Mentality of not wanting to take the Lord's name in vain, not even chancing that, and so they 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 translated the name of God as "curios" as Lord, and we in the English tradition have continued with that. But also, when the New Testament writers and, and the apostles, even Jesus Himself, when they say "curios," when they use the Greek word "curios." and they're talking about Jesus, or they're talking about God the Father, they say, Lord. They keep that same tradition. And so when Paul here is saying Jesus is Lord, he is saying he is Yahweh. He is God in human flesh. He is God Almighty, the second person of the Trinity mormonism jehovah's witness they're out right there other religions who who like to admire jesus they're out right there but as followers of jesus christ we proclaim jesus is lord he is god in human flesh who died for was raised again for our victory. And I want you to notice it also says there that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There's your miracle right there. Dear friend, you never had the ability, you never had the ability to proclaim Jesus is Lord, truly proclaim Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit working something in your life changing your heart so that you could say it and mean it and live it you want a miracle? there it is the miracle is that Christ worked in you, the Holy Spirit worked in you so that you can Proclaim, Jesus is Lord. Discern the spirits. Any spirit that denies the lordship of Jesus Christ, whether it it is doctrinally or practically, is not from God. It's not from God. Discern the spirits. Understand the spirits, friends. Beware of spiritual things that, that lead you away from Christ discern the spirits the spirit of god leads you in the truth of god's word and empowers you to proclaim and live under the lordship of jesus christ anytime that you discern a spirit that's trying to lead you away from the truth of god's word or tries to diminish the lordship of jesus christ don't walk run away from that teacher run away as fast as you can Turn off the TV. Turn off the radio. Throw that book in the fire. Run away from them as fast as you can. Do not be fooled by parlor tricks and fancy rhetoric. Judge every spirit by God's word. Are they speaking truth? Are they speaking God's word? Understand the spirits, O oh beloved do not believe every spirit, but, the, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. They're in the world. They're antichrist in the world, leading people away from Jesus by droves. Test the spirits. Test the spirits by God's word. Now perhaps today... You're on the road away from God. You're being led by the spirit of this world away from Christ. And you realize that today. God has shown you that today. You are being led away from Christ by a false spirit. I want you to know that Christ Jesus God Almighty, the second person of the Trinity. He stepped out of glory. He came to this earth. He lived in perfect obedience to the will of his Father for you. And he went to Calvary's cross for you. He gave his life there so that your sins might be forgiven. And that you might know him And the Father, trust Him today. Surrender to Jesus as Lord, Lord of your life, as sovereign God over your life. Trust Him today. Surrender to Him today, and He will save you. Will you trust Him today? Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you Number one, that you guide us in all truth. You have not left us in the dark, but you have given us your word, O Lord, so that we may test the spirits and know when a spirit is speaking truth, when it's your spirit who's speaking to us, and when it's the spirit of this world trying to lead us astray. Thank you for your word. Oh, Lord, may we drench ourselves in your word so that we not be led astray. Father, I pray that you would protect us, teach us and protect us from the charlatans that are all around trying to draw us away from Jesus. Oh, Lord, if there's someone today, and surely there's someone here or someone listening in, who's never trusted in Jesus, Lord, my prayers that today their hearts would return to Christ, that your spirit would do a work in them, awaken them, so that they might proclaim Jesus is Lord today. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.